Last Sunday night, um, tonight, and now, I want us to think for a moment about Isaiah going to the temple. And there he went in Isaiah chapter 6, as usual probably. And something profound happened because he was confronted with the incredible mystery, majesty, and as we've been singing earlier, the holiness of God when he heard those seraphs singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then, as the writer to Hebrews says, in that moment, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Isaiah realized he was ruined. He was a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips, and he had seen God. And as he's sitting in the quaking of that particular place that you might find yourself, realizing that he can do nothing to reach towards this God that's holier than his unclean lips could ever be, God moves. Seraphs fly, touch his lips, his sin is atoned for, his guilt is taken away. I, unlike some of our retrobates, reprobates, whatever that word is, our criminals, our sinners, didn't get the Bob Dylan album until it came out. Amazon were illegal, sent it early. And there were many partakers within here who just were doing the illegal thing of listening. So last Sunday night, I couldn't use this illustration, but Bob Dylan's new album, a song called The Narrow Way. wonder where that idea might have come from for Bob. I can't work up to you. You'll surely have to work down to me someday. Or another song called Pay in Blood. Hmm, interesting title. I pay in blood, but not my own. Isaiah, Bob Dylan, me and you. Our hope all starts with God. God moves. God acts. God saves. God frees. God transforms. It can have nothing to do with us. And Paul's been telling us this in Ephesians. He's been off on what Jonathan explained to us last week was a 200 and something word sentence where Paul just is one of these absolute gushes of excitement about the theology of God, about trying to express this mystery in some kind of imaginative language that might in some way express what is going on here. That God, who fills the universe with this holiness, might move to touch us. Seemingly insignificant when you think of how many billions and trillions and zillions and other aliens of people that maybe haven't even been conjured in mathematics to describe how many people have lived in this world through its history. And yet this God who fills the universe and fills eternity is moving to choose, as Jonathan said last week in the playground, you might not get chosen. With God you get chosen to be connecting with this holiness, this majesty, this mystery, this awesome vastness. Paul talks about God and he blesses God for blessing us. 
And he comes to this wonderful part of Ephesians 1. Maybe my favorite prayer ever. And um, we want to look as we're doing in a series of You're a Visitor Amongst Us. Through this book, through the eyes initially of Eugene Peterson's book, Practice Resurrection. Peterson talks about these words in the whole chapter and particularly maybe and certainly in the chapter and these verses we're looking at today as God rewiring our imaginations. Imagination's a word that's going around a lot in contemporary theology with writers and commentators and uh, all kinds of people using this word to reimagine, to imagine. And maybe, maybe, make my judgment, and I know we have no church historians among us, it's about the only thing we don't cover in this particular congregation, uh, or no experts in it at least, but um, I'm not sure whether imagination was empty for a long period of time, but certainly now we're beginning to realize that imagination plays a huge part in our growing up in faith, in our finding faith. And Peterson would say that that prayer is trying to find a reimagined language, not prayer to say, right, we'll do our opening or morning devotions or our evening devotions, or we'll meet on a Monday night at prayer fellowship, or we'll meet on a Wednesday lunchtime for prayer with the staff, or uh, we'll meet in uh, small groups to pray, or however else we pray. Not limiting to that, but our entire language is about this connection of this holy, awesome God with a people of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Reimagining the world. Reimagining that when we come through baptism, when we come to faith through what Christ has done for us, that suddenly this new freedom that we have is the, the symbol, the image of bursting through the waters into new life. With the old life gone, as we break through those waters in the image of baptism, we start to see things differently. It's not a world that's random, there is a creator. It's not about us and who we are trying to earn love. It's about God moving first to bring the love of the universe into our hearts. It's a reimagining how things are. It's reimagining the reality of time. I thought it was wonderful as um, that wonderful Cork accent of Richie's as he was reading uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of these verses when he said at the end, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. It's not that suddenly we're some strange little sect that has some idea of how it is uh, different from the world. God created the world. This reimagining that we have is how it's meant to be. It's how it's supposed to be. It is the defining reality. And we need to reimagine. Of course, Peterson believes that all of this is done as I said in the first part of this series, in community and church. God was in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When a man was alone, a companion was given community. Not long after we have communities all throughout Genesis beginning to form communities because God's way is community. Many of my friends and peers and maybe some younger have said, the church, oh my word, the church, that's not a place to reimagine anything. That's not a place where I'll get rewired for imagination. It does my head and I just go out and out of the hills and I pray there and I really don't need the church. 
Paul would be saying, Eugene Peterson would be highlighting, that when God moves and becomes involved in our lives, he then puts us in the community of church and that this is the place, whether it's good or not, that God allows us to grow. And if we ignore it or if we avoid it or if we think there's another place, we cannot possibly grow or reimagine to the fullness of what we're meant to if we do it without God's people. Peterson quotes um, in his commentary a letter that a friend of his um, uh, wrote to a guy who was um, leaving the church. And uh, this, is, this is what he says to him. The church is woefully sinful, distorted and adequate. In its seasons and centuries, it is often in bed with commerce, the military and the political establishment, or just as bad, opportunistically leeching superficial life out of them by reactionism. But it is still in the bowels of the church. Interesting phrase. It is still in the bowels of the church. The worshippers that God has chosen to work, live and sometimes be crucified. It is in the bowels of the church that God has chosen to work, to live, and sometimes be crucified. It's the church that Jesus says he will build and that hell will not prevail against it. Here we are, guys. Look at us. You know the word that Paul uses for us three times in this chapter? In verse 1, in verse 13, and in verse 15. Though I'm not sure actually that... Uh, let me just check again. I think today's New International actually uses people for it. But the word that Paul uses or is translated mainly for this is saints. I'm looking out at a church full of saints. Yeah, you. Jamie, saint fella. John, saint. Matthew, saint. Saint Matthew, saint John. Saint Jamie, James. We're all saints. Now, what does, is Paul kind of in denial here? Because were the people in Ephesus just that little bit more holy than this group of foibles that I look out at at this moment in time? No. He knew what the church was like. Read the other letters. He knew what they were like. But he calls them saints. Not for those who the Vatican would say lived a particularly holy life. All of us. When we come through that, those waters of baptism, when God moves to take away our sin and atone for our guilt, we become saints. Now, you see, three years ago, and Thursday, I think it was, you guys heard me preach for the first time. And then the next night, you all got together in communion suite, and you called me to be your minister. And I reckon some of you are thinking, university chaplain, he'll be clever. Oh, how have I disappointed you? And I reckon some of you are thinking, I remember he used to preach outside the student union at Queen's. He'd be a great street evangelist. Sorry to disappoint you. You maybe heard about how good it was with young people. Loved having the students up last Sunday night, but I don't know these guys enough. Sorry to disappoint you. And I'd heard about Fitzroy. And you know, I told you before what I thought. Working with students with all those immature quirks it would be great to work with adults who'd sorted all that out. Sorry, but you disappointed me. You're just older. And the quirks are just more minted than they were with the 18-year-olds. But you know what? 
you know what? You are my home. You have blessed my heart. Yeah, I've been times when my head banging it against the wall, times when I've been deeply hurt, times when I've been misunderstood. But you're my saints. We have had the best three years of our lives. Because in community, I have been given the opportunity to love. And more than that, you have loved us. And all your foibles and quirks. If I had decided three years ago, I am going to go out into that desert near a man and I'm going to put a a, a drying cloth on my head and I'm going to find God there, I would not be the human being I am today. The reason I've grown, I think, in these last three years is because you have allowed me into your community of saints. And so I've got to rewire my imagination. You're not a people of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips anymore. You are the saints of God. You are here that we might grow together into what we're meant to be. I remember going to visit um, a woman in an Antrim when I was the assistant minister there. Um, I went in and um, she'd been a, a very holy woman. And I say that because you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to quote her. That's got you worried, hasn't it? And I went into this place where she was, and she was in the day room, so it was quite full of people. And, and I went across, and I wasn't getting much attention from anybody else. And I sat down beside her, and, and, uh, and she says, Oh, you are so good at coming to visit me. Aren't you so good? And I said to her, Well, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really a saint. And she says at the top of her voice, I quote, You are too bloody right, you're not a saint the attention of the entire hospital at that point. And it's true in the terms of how we see saints, but if you rewire your imagination, God has moved. God has touched us. We are justified before God because God has changed us. Peterson says, we continue to meet to maintain our identity by keeping company with people who have first-hand knowledge of who we are. Men and women blessed, chosen, destined, bestowed, lavished, made known, gathered up by God. These people sometimes embarrass us. They are haphazard at times, and at times they will exhilarate us with their joy, offend us by their inconsistent lives, comfort us with their compassion, bully and criticize us, encourage and bring the best out of us, and bore us with their blandness, stimulate us with their enthusiasm, but we don't choose them. God chooses them. We keep company with men and women. God chooses these saints. Rewire your imagination in two ways. When you look in the mirror, I'm not sure that I'm going to ask you, do you do it at night or do you just do it in the morning? Do I do it at all, you might ask. I was sharing with a couple of our more mature members of the congregation how I was reading Ephesians on my phone as I waited for my hair to be cut on Monday and they looked and went, you got it cut? (laughs) I think they were slightly disappointed with that. I had let them down. But what we have here, what we have here is this incredible 
community that God says, rewire your imagination. When you look in the mirror in the morning, I encourage you to do it. See a saint looking back. See a saint looking back. You're looking in the mirror and a saint is looking back. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter where you hurt, in God's refigured universe, you are worthy. Not because of what you've done, not because of what your hairstyle is, not because of how you look, not because of how the church labels you, not because of your identity in society, because baptism gives you this new identity, because God moved, Christ died, Christ is raised to life, and you are a saint of God. And then look across the pews now. And those people that annoy you, frustrate you, those people that disappoint you, that bore you, those people that you don't want in your small group when we go up the stairs, rewire your imagination because they are saints of God. And Peterson says, don't get a little group for your own spiritual aerobics. Get among the people that God has chosen to shape you and build you up in. And then finally, where do we get that kind of imagination or rewiring? Because as you're looking across the pews now, you're saying, where am I going to find that kind of grace? Where am I going to find that kind of hope? Where am I going to find the energy to be a saint in a community of saints that might be Emmanuel on a Thursday night or a Friday night or across the world? Well, it's all in this passage. Paul doesn't pray that they get the eyes of their hearts seeing things differently. He prays, well, he does actually, he prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened to what's already there. God's power is already there. Uh, Peterson uses a, a poem in this about Mundanok or something. And it's about this guy who wants to go to this mountain and he sees signs for the mountain. He sees three miles, this mountain, two miles, one mile. And he gets to it and he, there's no signs for the mountain. He doesn't know whether he's on the mountain or not. He's looking around saying, somebody tell me I'm on the mountain. Because he's looking for signs when really the mountain's underneath him all the time. Sometimes we're looking for God somewhere. When actually all we need is the eyes of our hearts enlightened to where he already is. Fire came down and he was symbolically in an ark or a temple. And the spirit baptized saints in an upper room to say that God now dwells here. He's underneath us. He's around us. He's before us and behind us. Not in some ethereal way because we end with that great thing. This is cosmic. Jesus is Lord of how many galaxies Tom would tell us there are. Universes, whatever. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's been given authority for the saints, the church, to go about the business that God wants to go about doing. We reimagine, we use words of reimagining because everything's different since God moved to atone, redeem, save, set free. 
And we do that reimagining in a body of people who are ordinary, but transformed by God. That's the kind of community that I've always wanted to be a part of. I feel it here. But we need to know how to grow deeper. How to grow wider. How to reach further. Because we're standing on sacred holy ground. God is at work within us. Let's pray. God's how we as seemingly insignificant human beings can connect with a holy God who fills the universe. Wow. But we thank you that we don't because of us, but that we do because of you. That you moved first. That you have acted in history. That Jesus has been born. That Jesus has died. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus has burst through the tomb of resurrection so that the world could be reimagined. We could be reimagined as we look in the mirror. Those in the pew beside us could be reimagined as we look at them in this new creation, this new kingdom of God. That the world around us could be reimagined as God's will is done on earth, on Botanic, on University Street. And a man in St. Martin in London and Peter Maritzburg as it is in heaven. God, we want to be among the saints who go marching. Not triumphantly, but like Christ humbly. Into what you have for us next. We thank you for this home. This group that you've chosen and called us to be a part of. Rewire our imaginations to love ourselves and love each other more because we love you more and that changes everything about how we love. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.